Welcome to Seeing Beyond, Living Transformed with mediums Kelly Eckhart and Cheryl Murphy. Over the next hour, you'll hear engaging conversations that will guide you in your own journey of personal growth and transformation. Now, here are your hosts, Kelly Eckhart and Cheryl Murphy. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Seeing Beyond Living Transformed. We're on the Voice America channel on empowerment. Also, all of you watching us live on Facebook, also on our website, seeingbeyondradio.com. We so appreciate having you here. This is going to be a fabulous episode. This is episode seven. And the title of today's episode is Do We Really Die? Hear from People Who Have. The reason why I'm so fascinated and interested in this topic is because of our special Special guest. We have Dr. Lima Bergman. I'll be introducing her and reading a little bit about her bio to you in just a moment. Let me say hello to my colleague, Kelly Eckhart. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Hi, Cheryl. I'm great. I'm excited for the show today. It's so exciting. Everyone, I want to introduce you to Dr. Lima Bergman. We have lots of great questions to ask her. We'll hear about her. She does have a website to tell you. It's limabergman.com. If I could please read a little bit about her, Dr. Lima Bergman is a spiritual mentor and intuitive medium. She holds a doctorate in clinical psychology. She uses the unique combination of skills to help people achieve psychological and spiritual transformation. Whether she is speaking Speaking in public, working one-on-one with clients, or sharing messages with spirit, Lima's goal is always to help people live in alignment with their soul, to move confidently toward their greatest potential. And let me introduce you now to Dr. Lima Bergman. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Great to have you on our show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, ladies, for inviting me. It's an honor. Uh, we have always we've known Lima and we know her we know her story, but it's always interesting because I find out more and more about who Lima is. I find out more and more about her near death experiences. So let me just hand it over, Kelly. If you have a question for Lima, just to let's get started here. There's so much to talk about. Well, yeah, I would like to kind of jump right in. Right in, you know. Um, I would love for you to share your experience with your, uh, you know, you said four NDEs, right? Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to hear about those. I had something similar to NDE as a child, but um, every time I hear the stories, cause it just fascinates me. It literally does. So I would love for you just to share that. Um, and then we'll have more questions afterwards. I'm sure. Sure. Well, hello and welcome to everybody who's here. I'm really honored to be a guest here on the Seeing Beyond podcast with Kelly and Cheryl. These two ladies are amazing, and I have um, it's such an honor to know them both. Um, so, thank you for the introduction. I'm really marveling at how far each of you have come in your career since I've known you. And I think it's a testament to what people can do when they follow their intuition and live by the guidance of their soul, which you ladies are so great at. Um, So welcome to all the listeners here. I'm going to tell you my story, but I want you to keep in mind that this is my story and my experience and the lessons that I chose to take from each of my NDEs. Um, A lot of people follow... um, you know, love to hear people's stories about near-death experiences. And I understand the fascination, of course. Um, I personally didn't tell my stories um, for many years um, after the last one happened. They all happened within the span of about 10 years from 25 to 35. 
And I didn't start talking about my stories till many years later when a friend actually encouraged me to do so. And it was in um, sort of putting them uh, putting them on paper, you know, when we write things as a, you know, as a uh, mentor and as a psychologist, you know, I'm always big about journaling and writing things down because you discover so much about yourself. You tap into your own inner wisdom. You see things, you make connections that you never thought were there before. And just in writing down my experiences and putting them sequentially on paper, I was fascinated by not just what I remembered about each of them, but about the messages that they told me um, that I, in hindsight, found the power of, if that makes sense. You know, so much of, of our life is about looking back and, and connecting the dots. Right. So there was a lot of dot connecting there. So I'm just going to dive in and and tell you a a bit about each of them. You know, we don't have all day, so I'm just going to, you know, give you the highlights. I'm going to focus also mostly on the transitioning part of it, because that in my experience seems to be the part that people are most fascinated about. Um, so, um, the first one, uh, the, well, actually, before I get started, I want to just tell you about the four common things that I experienced with all of them, because they were all very different. But the four commonalities um, with each of them was uh, that first, I absolutely was not afraid as I was dying. I, I had no fear at all as my soul was leaving my body behind. And I had no fear um, when I got to the other side. Like there was just, zero fear whatsoever. The second was that every single time it was pain-free. So in every circumstance, I believe that my soul had already begun its transition away from my body before I would have been technically considered dead. And that's why I didn't have any pain. So I believe that my soul protected me from feeling it. And third, it was very peaceful. So even though each one was sort of, you know, a totally different experience, there was this amazing sense of peace that's just, you know, beyond words to describe. And fourth, which I think is the most important um, as far as our fear of death goes for many people was that it was seamless. So in all four situations, there was never any lights out. Um, I had thoughts in my head before I was unconscious. And those thoughts continued as I left this world and watched what was happening to my body from above. So that darkness that I kind of grew up believing was the end when we died, like the lights out thing, it never happened. I never once stopped being me. So those are the commonalities that um, I think are really important to, to Can I know. ask you, uh, Lima, sure. Dr. Mm-hmm. Bergman, I mean, it, were you like already on a spiritual, like what were you before and after these experiences? Were you already on a spiritual path or did these experiences put you on the spiritual path? Thank you. I think that's a really relevant question as far as, you know, how I work with people now in particular, but you know, I had a very challenging upbringing. Um, and I was very, um, I was a very sort of sheltered because of how I grew up, which was, you know, I think family constellation changed like 19 times growing up. And I went to 12 different schools and I moved 25 times before I eventually ran away at 16. So it was, 
you know, it was challenging. And, you know, as a psychologist, I've heard many challenging childhoods. So I'm not putting mine up, you know, on some, you know, meter or whatever, but I'm just trying to paint a picture of who I was at the time of my first one. And this was somebody who had no confidence, did not feel like an educated person at all, was very insecure and didn't believe in myself at all. Um, I had gone to college, but dropped out because I had no, no passion or purpose or meaning or whatever. And I got married really young at 22 and had a child right away. And I thought that would help me feel meaning and purpose, right? So that's kind of, you know, a brief introduction to who I was before the first one happened. Um, and then, and then over the course of the four, which I'll explain, you can see how each one changed me so dramatically, um, in, in, in how my life shifted. So let me start with the first one. And the first one was a serious car accident. It was, a I was on the 880 freeway in Oakland and a big rig tractor trailer jackknifed on the freeway. And um, I had no time to slow down and I plowed right into him at 55 miles per hour and, you know, was, you know, got, then got hit by two other cars on each side as well. Um, And I remember that uh, I remember my head hitting the steering wheel. And then the next thing I knew, I was watching everything unfold from about 50 feet in the air. And what was most memorable about this event, and remember, every one of these experiences was very different, um, but what was most memorable about this event was how I felt like I was in two places at once. So I had this confusion that I think is really common for people who die suddenly, where there's like, wait, am I here? Am I there? There's that, there's, you know, there's no, there's no sense of time on the other side, but there's some period of time where you really are confused. And this is, I was in that confusion. I didn't know where I was. And I remember that I had the experience of being in my body and seeing the blood and feeling confused and trying to move, but I was pinned underneath the dashboard. Um, So everything was really silent and there was no pain. And I was just, I kind of had that sense that I was in my body for a moment. Um, but then and and feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm going to die, but I had no panic or no fear or no, there was no attempt to get out. I just was sort of accepting that this is what was happening. And then I was like marveling at how I was witnessing the, the scene from above. And I had watched this man get out of this, like a literally think this guy was an angel, but this man was on the other side of the freeway and he got, he pulled over to the shoulder and he, he was a truck driver and he jumped over the center divide, ran up to my car and said, get out, your car's going to blow. And, you know, I'm watching this from above and I'm just looking at him and I'm going, that's really unsafe. Like he shouldn't be doing that. Like he's going to get injured. Like he really should run. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm not even there. I'm up here and I'm safe and I'm fine. So why is he doing that? Like it was, like I said, there was this confusion of, of being in the two places at once. And, um, you know, I, I was still me, I was still me and I was having all these thoughts, but it literally was like watching a movie. And so that continued all the way through the entire rescue, all the way getting to the trauma center and watching them do everything they did to me. And, wondering like when it when or how the movie was going to end, like, you know, just kind of 
again, no sense of time, just sort of watching it in awe. And the important realization that I had with this experience was that who I was, was not in that body, that I was having thoughts outside of what was happening to that body as they were trying to save it. So it was really interesting having that awareness. And um, I obviously ended up coming back, but that experience was really the first time um, where I realized that who I was, was more than just the thoughts in my head. You know, it was just a great lesson on how I was the observer of me Mm -hmm. and knowing that my thoughts were not the true essence of who I was. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So my second near-death experience was just a few months later, actually. And that was from an unintentional drug overdose. So I was still recovering from my injuries from, I had a traumatic brain injury and I was regaining motor skills and personality and memory and all the things that happen, right. When you have a brain injury. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I, I just like my whole life, I'm extremely sensitive to medication. So I'm even a, a, one of those rare people that's allergic to alcohol. So like I take like an eighth of what other people take for medicine, but it's the trauma hospital like my personal, you know, doctor knows that about me, but the trauma hospital didn't know that about me. And so they gave me the standard dosage of some really hefty pain medications. And so I returned home. And one day I decided that I wanted to go outside because I've been cooped up for so many months, you know, recovering. And so I really wanted to just lay under a tree and have some sunshine and feel the breeze. And, you know, I took a bottle of the pain pills that the trauma hospital gave me because I had run out of what I was used to taking for pain medication, just my own, you know, stuff um, that I had prior to the accident and that had run out. So I took the pain pills that they gave me and a glass of water just to have by me in case the pain got too intense while I was laying under the tree. And so I did, I decided to take one and it was so strong for me that it messed with my cognitive abilities. And I, completely forgot that I had taken it. So I took another one and then I forgot that I took that one and I took another one and I kept doing that enough to where I finally just stopped breathing. And I had no idea that I was killing myself. It was just like, I remember literally the transition because it was like the sun and the breeze and everything in nature had suddenly felt like they were a part of me. And I just became weightless and pain-free and it was amazing because I had been in so much pain and I just started floating up into the sky above my body. And it wasn't as confusing as the car accident. It was, it was actually this beautiful, soaring, peaceful sensation, just rising and rising into the deep blue sky. And the sky, it eventually just became like this glowing, warm light. It was just, it was bright, but it was comforting. And, and I felt like the light, this is going to sound weird, but I felt like the light knew me. And when I looked down at my body, it was literally like looking at an empty shell on the beach. It was, I just felt completely detached from it. It was like a bodysuit that housed my soul once. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't remember feeling sad that it was time to let it go. All I knew was that there was complete relief from the searing pain that my body had trapped me in. 
And I just felt free. In fact, the first thought that I had was, oh my goodness, I don't even have to breathe because even breathing hurt at that time. So what stood out about this transition was my awareness that I was a soul and I didn't grow up. I don't think I even know. I don't think I even knew what a soul was. I think, you know, I, I knew about, you know, I heard, I watched movies. I knew what ghosts were, you know, whatever, but I didn't really know what a soul was. And this was not just suddenly understanding it, but being like attached to it. Right. Like I watched, I watched, you know, my body blow and I watched as the paramedics were like trying to resuscitate me and doing all the things. Right. But it just watching that just it, my body just became like this abstract distant concept that just, I knew it wasn't me. And I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was going away from my life or my loved ones. I felt like I was coming home, but the home that I was returning to it, it wasn't a place. It was me. Home was me. I was returning to myself and that spark of divinity that's within me, that's within each and every one of us. It was returning to its source. That's literally what it felt like. And even though in this experience, I don't remember anyone who was waiting to greet me. I never felt alone. Instead, I felt connected to everything. And after this experience, my life changed dramatically. I became someone I never dreamed I could become. I had a confidence in what I could achieve in my life. I ended up divorcing my husband, who I realized was not my soulmate. Um, I went back to college and I even went to graduate school and got a doctorate. This is this is a far cry from a girl who grew up the way that I did, right? And and had no confidence and had no future, you know, no idea of a future, had no sense of connection to myself. Um, I just didn't feel alone anymore. I felt guided by my higher self. And I moved and did things in, to this day, I still can't believe that I did given where I came from. So that was my second one. Now, my third one um, was also a medical overdose (laughs) that actually happened in the hospital after a major surgery. So being the lightweight that I am, I overdosed on the morphine drip they'd attached me to for my pain post-surgery. So I hadn't even physically regained consciousness from the surgery yet. Um, And my husband was sitting in the room um, reading a newspaper and sort of watching over me. And um, I suddenly just remember becoming aware of him. And this is my husband, my new husband. I had since remarried. Um, This was many years later. And, um, And I just remember seeing him in the chair across from my bed and feeling this incredible surge of love for him a love that like is so powerful. You can't feel anything else. Mm -hmm. And suddenly then I felt as if an angel had, had wrapped me in its wings and was carrying me away. And when that happened, the room turned into this bright light. And what was really significant was I had been in the hospital for six weeks up to this point. And I was so bothered by the smell of the hospital. 
And so in this moment, I remember the smell disappearing Mm. and I, I was like, so relieved that I didn't smell the hospital smell anymore. And I was just in these, you know, in the arms of this angel going into this bright light and the ceiling of the, of the hospital room just kept rising and rising with us. So like, I didn't leave out of the hospital. I was within my room, but we were getting higher and higher and the ceiling was just, you know, rising above us. And again, it was like watching a movie, you know, it was like fascinating to see what was happening below, but also being in the comfort of this angel's arms, which was for me significant because it was a maternal feeling. You know, I don't have memories of being wrapped in the mother's arms, a mother's embrace. And so this was, it was that feeling that I had always longed for as a child, right. To have that very maternal um, experience. And that's what it felt like. It felt that pure. Um, and what I learned from this experience was that I had really only scratched the surface on my ability to love. Mm-hmm. Cause I realized at that moment that I had spent most of my life looking for someone to love me mm-hmm. and that that was backwards. Mm. because I learned that who we are is love and that giving love was what life was about. And that in the act of giving love, that's all I needed to do to receive it. That's an aha moment, right? That's one of those life-changing. Right. It was really, really amazing. I love that. So my last um, experience was a drowning, which you know, no one wants to do. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I fell into a swimming pool and, um, hit my head and, uh, it was a broken pool. So it was full of, uh, cold, ice, cold, green, slimy water. My dog had knocked me, knocked me down when I was trying to get a ball for him, her. And, um, there was another male dog too, but my dog was the one that actually knocked me down. Um, so I fell into the deep end and I have fibromyalgia. So when I hit that cold water, my muscles just locked up. It was like, I became stone. And this experience was quite different from the other three for one big reason. And that was that I actually remember making the choice to let go. So, yeah. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I fought as hard as I could save myself before I realized I wasn't going to win. But at that moment, I remembered my previous NDEs and I knew what it was like to die. And I knew that I wasn't afraid to die and that it wasn't going to be painful. So I remember that moment where I chose to let it be. And the minute I did, I felt no pain. I stopped choking on the green slimy water. As I was thinking, I had that, that phenomenon again, of being in two places at once, Mm -hmm. um, I could feel the warmth of the sunlight on my body as it was beaming like straight down through the sludgy water. And yet I felt the warmth of the sun, right. And the water, the green water suddenly turned to turn to like this glimmering, clear, beautiful, bright water. And there was this light all around me. And at the same time that I felt my body sort of sinking down like a dead weight, I also felt my soul floating upward as light as a feather. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
I felt really, really at home when I got to the other side this time. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't mysterious to me at all. It felt familiar. And what was really cool about this experience was that I could feel the energy of all these spirits around me. And I sensed this greater consciousness that we were all a part of. It was like I had expanded, like even though my body wasn't there, my consciousness was expanding. It was like, I mean, I literally felt like a star in, in sort of a, that's kind of just the visual I like to give to help people relate to it. But I, I literally felt like a star, part of an entire galaxy of stars. Like we were all these individual translucent shapes of light Mm -hmm. and it felt like God or whatever you call your God. It felt like that universal consciousness, that source that I call it was not just in the space between us, but through us as well. Mm. So it felt very telepathic too. Like my thoughts were being listened to by all the spirits around me. And just as before I was. I was watching my body get rescued down below. I was watching my friend, you know, save me and the paramedics come and all of that. And I, I remember wondering at that moment, like if I was going to go back, like if, you know, if this was the final, the final frontier, you know, if I was going to return, like I had before, I, I just, you know, I remember having that question And then I don't remember pondering it. I don't remember like having a pros and cons list or anything like that. I just felt this wisdom come over me. Like I was the one that was supposed to know whether I was going to go back or not. And I knew the answer that, you know, that it was just entirely up to me. And then I was back in my body and, you know, the lights out thing is interesting because while transitioning to the other side is seamless, the coming back into the body was not all four times. That's where there was darkness there. That's where there was a moment of this jolt. It was like, it's like a rebirth. It's like this jolt of coming back into your body. And then, you know, it's very shocking. Um, and you know, you're suddenly there, but that's where I'd say there's loss of time or consciousness or whatever is the coming back into the body. But again, I mean, the transition there's like no fear, no pain, no lights out. And with the exception of that confusion, that was part of the first experience, everything in all four experiences was completely loving and, and so peaceful. And the lesson that I learned from the last NDE was it was all about purpose. It was about finding out what my gifts were and, and how I was supposed to use them to help others. And things in my life completely shifted again. And even though I didn't realize that at the time Mm -hmm. I was on the path of becoming a medium. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that was the shift that came after that fourth one. So moving forward years later, when I was encouraged by this friend to tell the story about my NDEs, that's when I realized that the experiences that I had followed the natural progression of our psychological and spiritual development. And so using those, the lessons that I gleaned from all of those four experiences, they actually created the the four pillars that have become the foundation of my work with people to discover their true self and to live by the guidance of their soul instead of the limitations of our minds, right? Which we all get wrapped up in so heavily here. Absolutely. 
Uh, Dr. Bergman, this is we we're going to take a break now. We'll be right back, everyone. But this is a good time to break because now we're going to see how you were able you're able to help people uh, moving into those four pillars. So everyone, stay tuned. You're listening to Seeing Beyond Living Transformed with Medium Kelly Eckhart, Dr. Lima Bergman, and myself. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Seeing Beyond Living Transformed is a spiritual crossing of the threshold to the world of being a truly expanded human being. Join medium Cheryl and Kelly for conversations about discovering deep spirituality, developing your intuitive and empathic skills, and personal mediumship. Each episode will focus on tips, tools, and techniques to help you understand and expand your own inner gifts and life journey. You can call in each week to receive spiritual guidance, personal readings, and we'll answer your questions. We'll talk with luminary experts on meditations, the afterlife, energy healing, past lives, and much more. Join our Seeing Beyond spiritual community to learn more about expanding your mind, body, and soul, and have fun on your journey to empowered transformation. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Seeing Beyond, Living Transformed with Kelly and Cheryl. If you have questions for the hosts or guests, you can join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now let's get back to the show. Here again are Cheryl and Kelly. Welcome back, everyone, to Seeing Beyond Living Transformed. Uh, we are talking about how we, you know, do we die? We're talking to Dr. Lima Bergman about her near-death experiences. I want to encourage all of you to sign up. Go to Dr. Lima's um, website, limabergman.com. Sign up for her newsletter. She sends out encouraging emails uh, once or twice a month, but she has this calming toolkits. This it's called calming tips toolkit, which talks about, you know, connecting with your soul and your soul's growth. So please go to limabergman.com. But uh, Dr. Bergman, we'd like to continue our discussion with you and ask you, you know, how did you become a medium and how did you transition that traditional psychology into being the spiritual mentor that you are now? 
Uh, that's a great question. It was, that was such a spiritual journey and such a, a huge transition for me. Um, because I, I was not, um, I wasn't, you know, raised with, you know, a religious background. I wasn't, um, really other than my near-death experiences to the other side, I didn't ever really study about souls and mediumship and things like that. I, I do remember having a, an interest in it, like even as a child, loving things that were about the paranormal or, you know, watching shows or whatever. So I always had kind of a fascination with it, but I didn't even know a medium um, when this happened to me. And um, the way it, the way it opened up, um, should I tell that? Do you want me to tell that about how, how I realized it was a medium? Is that what you yeah, want? How, Cause I that, know how I that know, affected my work, right? Yes. I know you're also a spiritual medium. You also right. do readings for people and we're going to yeah. ask you about that um, too, right. but yeah. How did you realize you were a medium? We'd love to hear yeah. that. So um, that, that's an interesting story. My brother passed away and um, a few years later, uh, you know, I, I lived in the same house at that time. I, we lived here my, I, with my husband and my, my kids, although one was out of the house by then, uh, my, my oldest, my youngest was a teenager still. Um, things in my house started moving. And I know that's hard for people to, some people to believe. And it was hard for my husband to believe, but I kept telling him, I'm like, there's some, some things, things are moving. Like, I'm hearing noises in the middle of the night. I was seeing shadows outside my window in the middle of the night. I was, things were falling off like the top shelf of the closet um, that had no reason to, you know, be in the middle of the floor all of a sudden. And I didn't actually see these things happening. I would just hear them and find them. Like I left my office, um, you know, I work from home. I left my office. And when I came back, my floor heater was face down on the floor, which is kind of dangerous. Um, Anyway, I was just for months, I was telling my husband these things. And my husband is, is a lawyer, but he's also an extremely open, I shouldn't say those in the same sentence, not that lawyers aren't open-minded, but my husband has, is very open-minded to anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, but he's just like, you know, in the back of his mind going, is she going crazy or is this really happening? Right. So one day he came home from work months later and we were sitting on our bed, just having a chat and we have a little office area off our master bedroom and we were sitting there and a book flew off the shelf right in front of us. My. And I just remember jumping up like a cheerleader. Like I was so excited because I was like, so happy that not just that I saw it, but that he saw it too. Right. So that he could, you know, I, I didn't have to tell him about it. He was there. <laughs> so at that point, we were like, okay, it's either my brother or your dad, but somebody's doing this because they both passed away around the same time. Now, this is the part where I didn't even know a medium. Like I didn't know anything about any of this. So I literally went on Google and like Googled for a medium in my area. And I luckily found a really great medium. And, and sure, sure enough, the moment I got there, she said, um, do you have, do you know somebody, um, named Mike, who's about six feet tall and he was really into cars. And I'm like, yeah, that's my brother. And she's like, thank goodness. I finally found who he belonged to because she had been asking every client ahead of me. I got there at one. And so she'd been seeing <laughs> clients all day and nobody could take him, which 
I think is the great first, the best first lesson as a budding medium to learn is that no's are not always no, right? right. So, uh, so nobody could take it, but then I came in and I was like, yeah, that's my brother. So we had the conversation. She talked to me, you know, about why he was trying to connect with me and, you know, the messages he wanted to give me. And that if I would just talk to him, that he would stop moving things. So, so that's what happened. I talked to him, but that was sort of half of the session. And then all of a sudden she goes, you know, you're a medium too, don't you? And I just started laughing. I'm like, I, I don't even know what that means really, you know, and I, I have no idea. And so she proceeded to ask me to do things um, such as tell her about an object that was on her desk, tell her what her house looked like. Cause I was in her office, um, you know, an outside office, tell her, um, uh, describe, describe someone in her life named Billy, describe him to her. All these things that I thought were ludicrous that she was asking me, but I was able to do every one of them. And it was shocking. And I left there kind of in shock, like what just happened? And I didn't do anything with it. Like, I just thought, okay, that was a weird experience, but at least I know what's happening in my house, you know? And, and I just kind of walked away from it. Well, it opened up something between my brother and that meeting, it opened the gate and I started having, you know, constant connections with spirit after that. And so at, after about a year, I realized this is real. This, this is real. It took me a year to believe in it. And then after that, I decided that if I was going to do something with it, which I needed to, I felt like I needed to do something with it because not everybody has that ability. And, and if I have it, then it means that I'm supposed to do something with it. So that's when I started studying. And that's when I started learning how to be a medium. Now, the transition in my work was interesting because it took me a long time to come out of the closet, so to speak, <laughs> and tell people that I was a medium, right? And, yeah, and right. be confident in that especially, you know, as a psychologist, right? Like it, to me, it was even for me, it was even harder because I knew once I did that, I could be jeopardizing what people thought of me mm -hmm. as a psychologist. Right. Mm -hmm. So that took a couple of years to figure out how do I do both? How do I, how do I blend? Can I blend the two? At first they seemed so, you know, far apart, like right. they were so different. And then the more I did the work, the more I realized no, this is the perfect combination. This yes. is amazing, wow. right? So I shifted from working as a traditional psychologist because I felt so trapped in the profession mm -hmm. of what I knew the potential of healing could be. And I'm not, I'm not dissing therapy. I'm not dissing what people get from their own therapy. Like this is not about that. This is a another option, right? There are lots of mm -hmm. options to everything in life. And for me, I outgrew that model. I outgrew for me, what I felt, how I felt I could help people better. And so instead of looking at people for their symptoms and what was wrong with them and how to put them into a diagnostic category so that I could then have a treatment plan that fulfilled the ethical requirement, you know, the, the all the requirements of the profession, I decided to work with people's souls. Mm -hmm. I decided to do something that felt more holistic, that, that just helped people see themselves as just normal people stuck on their spiritual path. And let's get unstuck and not put you in a box and not label you and not make this, you know, something bad. It's, it's something common. And it's what we're here for. It's, it's how we develop. It's how we grow. 
So it just felt more natural to do it that way. And so that's that, then I made the commitment and I, I literally just let go of my license a year ago. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was a big shift for me. Big shift. Big I mean, shift. I've been doing the work this way for years now, but last year I said, you know, I preach authenticity yeah. and if I'm going to be authentic, then for me, I feel like I need to let this part of my life close that chapter close. Big, so. big decision. Well, I love everything you've shared and, and I still have questions. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I think fascinates me is how the amount of clarity you got from each one, because not everybody gets that clarity. And one of the things, like, as I explained to you during the commercial break, I know not everybody on the radio heard that, but Facebook land heard that (laughs) is that I too have had some near death experiences as a small child. I don't think I got the clarity because I came here remembering it just didn't come. The clarity came to me later on in life. um, When I started to develop my work. Right. One of the things you said, your purpose, my purpose was to help families. And that's what they kept telling me, you know, when I finally started to develop, like I kept wondering what was my purpose? Why, why did I go through all of this? And so I love that because I do think that we need a purpose. And the other thing that I really loved you talked about is one of your experiences of how, um, just how everything was connected and how you felt like God was running through you Mm -hmm. because I've always felt that way. Even now Mm -hmm. at times I feel so connected to the spirit world as well. Like my son passed, but I still feel him as if he's still here. Right. You know, I still hear his thoughts just like I did when he was alive because I had that weird connection with that child where we could hear each other's thoughts. And so to me, it's like, I'm still hanging out with them all the time. That's beautiful. You know? Yeah. And I love that. And I love that you've taken it the way you have. Um, I was looking at some of your stuff that you're working on and uh, I'd love for you to share about uh, your new, what is it? Something you're putting together. Yeah. So I've been working. um, I'm actually working on a book to talk about my near-death experiences and how they formed the way that I work with people. And it's, you know, it's a work in progress. I don't have a name forever. We're working with trademark names and all that. So it's not completely fleshed out. I hope to launch in September though. Um, but yeah, I, the, the path that I use when I work with people, the, the sort of the journey of healing that I fi- have found, um, works to have sort of this path for people, this blueprint, right. Um, is, is really based on those four experiences. So the first pillar to it is to tame your ego. It's to, to, um, learn how to, accept your responsibility for your life. I mean, that's a first step is to get to a place where you can take full responsibility for your thoughts and your behaviors and your emotions and your actions and all of that. Right. Because until, until we get, until we get to that place where we're ready to accept full responsibility for our life, the healing process is so much more difficult because it, there's always something or someone then that we're giving that power to, right? So, um, so there's three stages to each of, of my sort of pillars from the NDEs. The first is the first pillar is tame your ego. We talk about mastering your mind, you know, having your responsibility, learning how to observe your thoughts, looking at your habits, um, and then examining um, 
you know, your fears and your resistances and talking about the grief that you live with regularly and working through that. And then we talk about um, how to um, ease the stories that you've told over your whole life, right? About stories of traumas, stories that have kept you stuck from evolving. And so we work on sort of all the egoic stuff, the things that are in our head that sort of need cleaning up and need sorting out and need putting into a healthy perspective and finding how we're the hero of those stories, right? And then I move into the second pillar, which is reviving your soul. And that's all about learning how to connect to your soul, right? Which was my second experience. So it's learning about tools of, of that connection, learning to trust your intuition, learning to expand your consciousness and, and your awareness and your curiosity and your intuition and all of those things and learning what meditation is. And so we work on the soul in that pillar. And then the third part is unleashing your love. So this pillar and the work that's done is about loving your learning to love yourself, learning to love your relationships and learning to love your world. So in these pillars, of course, until you really truly can love yourself, it's a lot harder to uh, have relationships and have, whether they're with people or just in the world in general, being able to look at the world through a lens of love, right? So we, we work on your inner child. We work on loving your body. We work on shame and guilt and all of those things. And then how that sense of self can then move you forward to healthy relationships and healthy, um, feeling like you have a healthy relationship with your community and the world you live in. And then finally is embracing your purpose. And that is all about finding out what your desires are, what your mission in life is, what you, um, want to do in it. I have a lot of people that come to me and say, I need to know my purpose. And I just want people to know that I, my answer will always be, we all have the same purpose and that's to serve. That's to learn and evolve ourselves and then share that with other people so that they can evolve so that we can raise the consciousness of the world and, and help each other. And so it's not about finding your purpose. It's about discovering what you came into this world with what gifts and talents and challenges have been a part of your experience here. And how can we use those to determine what your purpose might be and your purpose can change, right? What, what I did for, as a psychologist for over 20 years was different from what I'm doing now. My, 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 the model of how I serve has changed, but my purpose has always been the same. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. So that's and, what I'm creating in a course form so that I can serve more people. And then it will turn into a, a membership, an ongoing membership as well, so that I could serve more people than just doing one-on-one work. Mm-hmm. I love this. You're so inspiring, Lima. Yeah. I really uh, love that. And making me think all these things I want to do. I just wanted to jump in on that because you said, I love that. I actually have a free. Yes. I keep saying, I I love that because you're great. (laughs) I have a free Facebook group that anybody can join called. I love that dot, dot, dot. And any post has to start with, I love that and tell us something about what you love about your day or your world or whatever. And I started it literally when the pandemic started, because I wanted to create a space for people to go to remember the love in the world, to remember that we're not alone, to come and talk about what we love about our existence and, and inspire people and help people not feel lonely, you know, in our lockdown. So that's how it started. And 
it grew to like over 2000 people in like three months. And as people have gotten back to their lives, you know, the, the, it's slowed down, but it's still an active group. And, and I'd love for anybody to still join that and contribute. I remember when you started that and I was like, perfect timing. I think I needed that. And I think a lot of people needed it. And I think I invited like everyone in my friend's group. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. And a lot of my friends joined. I was just, but it was a good time because it was was, like difficult. The news was difficult and we were stuck in our houses and it was just horrible. So thank you for that. I really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah. Lima, can, can I ask you, um, how are you seeing people right now? If people want to contact you, like, um, are you seeing in person people right now? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So I do readings, I do spiritual readings and I also do what I call soul sessions, which is, you know, the work that I just described. And again, you can find that on my website, limabergman.com. And, uh, Bergman has two ends by the way. Um, So yeah, my services are on there. You can just click the services tab and you can see all the different services that I offer. But yeah, I do mostly one-on-one work now and that, that will shift as the course in the membership, um, uh, my hours, how much, how many hours I I spend on that will shift eventually. But if you want, um, to be, uh, you know, kept in the loop of when that course and stuff is going to be released, uh, I encourage you to get on my newsletter list too, so that you'll be aware of that. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, other than like your NDEs, I mean, after these things happen, I mean, of course it's, I guess it's like kind of, um, redundant, but I know like after I lost my son and, um, it kind of changes the way you see people and the way that you view things and, and the way you react Mm-hmm. And I think that NDs would be the same thing because I know grief does this to people, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it must have changed your own relationship with your children. You know, it wasn't like my transformations all happened overnight. You know, they happened over the course of years as mm-hmm. I you know, even, even going through the, you know, the path that I just described, it takes time because you have to rewire your brain. You have to rewire how you look, you have to learn how to widen your perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, there's an experience that comes, especially when you learn to be a medium as well. Um, and so we're, we're used to raising our vibration and, and connecting with the spirit world. Right. So we have a practice of not just meditating, but sitting in that power that, you know, we call it in our, in our profession to connect with the other side. And so what that does is it opens up how you view people. Cause mm-hmm. when I look at people, I look at them more as souls now, right. Yeah. I look at, I look at people who are, you know, having problems, people who are, angry or hostile or doing things that we consider to be rude or inconsiderate or those kinds of things. And instead I look at where they're wounded. I look at where that comes from and I don't take it personally. It's like, I can see people on a spiritual level. And that's what I try and teach people is to how to get to that place to, to where there's a compassion that you have that, and a oneness. That's, that's the important part is that I think that what you experience after NDEs or losing a loved one is, is it ability to feel a oneness with people. And when you feel that oneness, there's less judgment, there's less um, black and white, right? It's right. we're all in this together and people who are not behaving well, if we want to call it that 
are having a, having a hard time on their journey. Yes. And so it elicits, you know, I just try and look at people through a lens of love, you know? And, and I love that, you know, and I'm not perfect. And I try to do that, but Neither. then I have, <laughs> I have days today, like at the airport where people were grumpy. Let me just tell you, I wanted just to go off on somebody, but I was like, nope, I'm going to let it go. I'm not yeah. going to let them steal my sunshine. Right. And I'm going to keep smiling. Right. And, well, that's, uh, it's a practice. But it's hard. Yes. It's, it's, it's a practice. And, and, but the thing is, is that once you become aware of it and you understand what triggers you, right, then you're able to say, oh, there's that feeling in my body again, or there's that thought that I know isn't helpful for me. That's an old loop tape of something. There's my defensiveness. There's my fear. And here's what I need to do now to move through this instead of reacting, right? Because we yes. always want to get to a point where we're responding to things instead of reacting to them. And so responding comes from your soul and it comes from a calmer place. Yes. So we have a one question that I'd like to um ask you because this is a great question it comes from Carmen Swick mm-hmm. and we have about three minutes so hopefully you can answer this in three minutes <laughs> why do you think you were brought back so many times yeah I'm a slow learner I don't know I've had, <laughs> I've had all kinds of I've had all kinds of um questions about that too and I I make I make a joke like I have got a frequent flyer pass or you know I'm a slow <laughs> learner or but in all seriousness um I have, um, I've just come to the, the part, the point at which I feel very connected to my soul. And I feel like I'm able, I was able to do that because there was more for me to do here. And there was more for me to experience and more for me to grow from. And my soul, you you know, my, the evolution of my soul, my soul journey, um, Part of it was tapping into the other side. Part of it was yeah. touching the other side to get the point, right? To make the transformation. Well, maybe it's also so that you could create the things that you're creating now because you needed all of those experiences to exactly. put what you put together, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that was part of your journey. Maybe you decided this before you were ever came here. Yeah, there's some <laughs> truth to that too. <laughs> I mean, I chose to come here and I remember trying to go back saying, why did I choose this life? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'll share this little tidbit. You know, I, I was not a wanted baby. I, my, my parents actually tried to self-abort me. I was before um, Roe versus Wade. And, and so my entrance into this world was a struggle. My entrance into this world was like a near-death experience almost, right? And and I think that, is, you know, as morbid as that sound, I, it, to me, it's an important part of my story, right? Mm-hmm. That I have a soul that is so strong-willed to be here, so intent on being here and serving my purpose that even from the very beginning, I had to prove, you know, that that was possible. Yeah. Well, we have about two minutes left. I just want to thank everybody on Facebook for listening in. I'm sorry we didn't take calls today. Uh, and we got a lot of questions, but a lot of them were not about, you know, Lima's subject. And I, I really wanted to focus on Lima's subject because Cheryl and I are very passionate about NDEs. And we actually decided to do two episodes on this, one from, you know, Dr. Lima's perspective and one from our next guest next week, who is actually a hospice, was a hospice nurse, who is now a medium. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, I'm fascinated by this subject myself. Like I said, we wanted to start this show so that we could also 
continue to learn and grow. And, you know, so some of the shows we're not going to be doing readings. We're going to be really focused on the subject because it is fascinating and there's a lot to learn. And I feel like I've learned so much just from you, Lima, today. And I appreciate that. I want to thank you for, thank you for sharing everything. Yeah. And just, um, I'm, I'm really looking at your website. I have some ideas and, and I'm just excited. I feel like you've inspired me. Oh, I think you. you have too. Thank you. I think I just want to say thank you so much both to both of you for sharing. I'm both Kelly and both Lima for sharing your near-death experiences uh, because it does feel like connecting with your soul. You know, it's such a big part of who we are and we forget that we're souls. You know, we forget we have a soul. We forget, we forget that there's love, you know, in us or, or there's more love in us. You know, we, we think we're going to run out, but actually there's an infinite flow of love. And I just want to tell you, I think you opened some people's eyes up to tapping into their own soul, reminding us that we're a soul having this human experience and that. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. And we just want to say thank you so much for being on our show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much, Lima. And I'm going to stop the live stream. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We hope you'll join us again on the journey to seeing beyond next week. Until then, have fun on your journey of empowered transformation.